please this morning in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, reading from verse 12, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now this month, January, is named after the Roman god Janus. Janus had two heads, two faces rather. One face looked backwards, one face looked forward. Janus was the god of open doors and open gates, new beginnings. And so it's always fitting, I believe, that on the first Sunday morning of a new year uh, that we need to look back in retrospect and look forward in prospect. I also want to challenge you to make a choice this morning, a conscious, deliberate decision. I want you to choose what, in retrospect of 2010, that you can leave behind, and what, in prospect in 2011, that you can take with you into this new year. There is stuff that you need to leave behind. There is stuff that you need to take with you. Many times have we gone on our holidays and we have packed stuff that we thought we could not do without. For sure, I have to take that. And we found out that we never even opened a package when we got there. We never even put the T-shirt on. The shorts never got worn. The hat never came out of the case. It was just simply access baggage that we didn't need that we shouldn't even have taken with us. Again, there's other stuff that when we open the case, we wish we had it brought. And we said to our wives, now I told you, you should have put that in. And she says, you're big enough and ugly enough to put it in yourself. (laughs) No, she doesn't say that actually. (laughs) I think Caitlin thought she did say that. (laughs) Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before. Now let's just briefly this morning look at perhaps some of the things that we can leave behind that we had in 2010, and maybe a lot longer than that actually. First of all, our mistakes. Now that's not always easy to do, I grant you, because some of our mistakes perhaps were very costly mistakes. But while it is good to learn from our mistakes, we must also learn to leave them. We cannot forever keep carrying around with us the mistakes of the past. It's always smart to learn a lesson from our mistakes, but it's generally good to leave the loss of them. Learning the lessons 
leaving the loss of them is a good way to be able to step out in faith again and take some more risks. Now, mistakes are common to all. All of us are prone to them. All of us are going to make them, and we're going to make them this year for sure in our humanity. But some of them we absolutely desperately need to leave behind us. Somebody said about mistakes, they said that a lawyer's mistakes, mistake is imprisoned. A doctor's mistake is buried. Sorry, Tony and Grace. An accountant's mistake is fined. A dentist's mistake is pulled. An electrician's mistake is shocking. A carpenter's mistake is sawdust. A teacher's mistake is failed. A fireman's mistake is burned. So we all make mistakes. Did you hear about the man who went ice fishing for the first time? And so he bought all the gear. He got the rod, he got the reel, he got his tent, he got his little stool, he got his flask, he got all the gear to wear. And he went out one evening on the ice, put up the tent, got his little stool out, got his rod assembled, started to cut a hole in the ice, and he heard a big booming voice saying, there are no fish there. And so he packed up his tent, he moved it about 20 feet up, set it up again, got the still out, got the rod out, started to cut a hole in the ice again, and another big booming voice came out again saying, there are no fish there either. And by that time he was a little bit frightened, and he looked up and he said, is that you, God? And the big woman voice says, no, it's the manager of the ice rink. <laughs> <laughs> so we all make mistakes, don't we? Mistakes are part of our humanity. The Bible never shies away from revealing mistakes, even of its greatest heroes. We talked about that even in the woman's series, godly and good as they were. Oftentimes they made mistakes. Chuck Swindle, he categorizes mistakes and he said that there are panic-prompted mistakes, panic-prompted mistakes, which often come out of fear or worry, anxiety, or just being in a hurry, can't wait. Sometimes that leads to mistakes. Then he said there are good-intentioned mistakes, which come from wrong timing or wrong methods. How many times have we done the right thing in the wrong way or at the wrong time. Our intention was good. The idea was good enough, but we just didn't do it the right way or we just didn't do it at the right time. And we found out that it was a mistake at that time or in that way. Then he says there's passive <coughs> negligence. That makes mistakes which result from laziness, lack of discipline, or inconsistency. We just didn't give it due care and attention. We just didn't put enough into it. We just didn't think it through enough. We just kind of were a bit easy-ozy about it, as we say. We let it go, or we didn't do it as we should have done it. We found out that it made a mistake. And then there's blind spot mistakes, he says. These usually come from ignorance, or habit, or influence. Blind spot mistakes. We were just ignorant. We're a bit stupid, could I say. <laughs> well, none of you look stupid or ignorant, I don't know. 
Sometimes I'm stupid and ignorant, and I make mistakes. And so there are mistakes that you have made in this past year, and you're still carrying them about with you. You're still thinking about them, mulling over them. If only they should have had. You've got to leave them. You've got to put them in the past. And then there's disappointments. All those nearlies, almost. The job you nearly had. The car you almost bought. The holiday you were about to go on that fell through. All of those disappointments. The weight you almost lost. But of course, those are little things. But then there's big disappointments. Perhaps a wedding that almost happened. Or a child that you nearly had. And sometimes disappointments can be crushing, can be really painful and hurtful at the time. People disappoint. Things disappoint. Places disappoint. We disappoint ourselves. Sometimes we disappoint others. Disappointments in life, it happens. It happens to every one of us. And I guarantee no matter how good 2010 was for you, I'm sure if you look back, there's been a disappointment in it. Something happened that at the time you just felt, boy, I wish that hadn't happened. Really is a big disappointment to me. Or maybe you feel you've been a disappointment to yourself. Or to someone else. So what are you going to do about all that? Are you going to carry all that baggage into a new year? Are you going to keep loading it on yourself? Are you going to carry it throughout the next 12 months? What good is it going to do? You can't change it. Can't amend it. What are you going to do with it? Psalmist, Psalm 73, 25 and 26, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is none upon earth I desire beside you. My heart and my flesh feel. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My heart and my flesh feel. See, we're prone to feeling, aren't we? And whenever a heart and our flesh feels, it's usually it's disappointing, isn't it? But God is the strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. Glory to God. But actually, in saying that negatively, actually, there are times when you look back, and maybe you've lived through 2010, and you have looked back, and what seemed a disappointment at the time was actually a God appointment. What seemed to be a letdown, maybe even what seemed to be a loss at the time. Actually, when you look back, you can say, thank God. Because at that moment, you hadn't seen the big picture. At that moment, you didn't know what God had planned for you. And what seemed a genuine disappointment can turn out to be God's appointment. And I have had those occasions in my life when I have looked back, and at the time, I thought, oh dear, this is terrible, this is awful. Why did this happen? I wish it hadn't happened. But then months later 
or even sometimes even years later, you look back and you say, thank God it did happen. I didn't like it at the time. It wasn't very nice. But thank God for that disappointment because God had a better appointment for my life. And so sometimes your disappointments may even be God's appointments. So don't get too down in yourself. Say, Lord, well, I can't change that. And if you've got a better plan, well, that's okay. I'm open for that too. What about your hurts? Sometimes it takes hurts a while to heal, doesn't it? Maybe yours this morning is still raw. Maybe there's still an open, gaping wound. But there will come a time. Maybe you're not quite ready for this just yet if the wound is still raw. But there will come a time when it will be time to let go. It will be time to leave it behind and unload the burden. And so if you're not ready for that quite yet, I don't want you to feel bad about that. Sometimes there's great hurts in our lives and it just takes time to heal just the way your body takes time to heal, sometimes your emotions and your heart takes time to heal. But there will come a time, hopefully sooner rather than later, that you will be able and strong enough and well enough to say, Lord, I'm going to leave that behind. And it could be that maybe today for you is the time to leave that hurt and that pain behind. Or... There's something else you can do with your hurts. And we all have a tendency to do this. We can nurse them. We can cling tightly to them. We can hold them close to our heart. Sometimes we do that, don't we? We nurse our hurts. Sometimes we can rehearse them. You hit the replay button over and over and over and over. You visualize it in your mind over and over and over. We keep reliving them over and over and over. And at the end of it, it wearies us. And we become emotionally drained and spiritually dry. And often very hard to live with. And so, you can nurse them or you can rehearse them. Somebody said you can lick your wounds and live your life or you can live your wounds and lick your life. Or you can live your wounds and lick your life. Don't continually forever live your wounds. Learn to be able to let go of them. Or sometimes you can curse them. You don't want to let go. You feel justified. I have every right to feel the way I feel. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm bitter. I'm vengeful. (laughs) I have every right to be. So don't try to talk me out of it, please. Don't show me scriptures. I don't want to know. I told one time a brother who had a tremendous hatred against someone. I said, brother, this is wrong. It's scripturally biblically wrong he says I don't care (laughs) and the way he said it to me 
He didn't care. The sad, tragic truth is he still has that in his heart. And that's bad, isn't it? Or you can be like Job, you can curse the day you were born. Job felt that bad about what happened. You say, well, a lot of bad things did happen to Job. That's true. And he felt completely justified by saying, I curse the day I was born. Better for me had never been born. Well, I hope that your problems hasn't got you that bad. I hope the hurts hasn't been that bad. But you need to watch what you do with your hurts. Now, of course, hurts can be caused by bereavement, by broken relationships, by the lies, the wounds of others. And sometimes they too take a little time to heal. But either we overcome our hurts or our hurts overcome us. Sorry to be using so many cliches this morning, but it's true. Either you will overcome your hurt or your hurt will overcome you. And you've got a choice and a decision to make what way that's going to go. And nobody can make that choice or decision for you. And all the prayer and the word is not going to change that unless you decide, I am no longer going to allow this to crush my spirit. I no longer allow this to make me bitter or vengeful or angry. I choose to leave this behind. It's not easy to do. Hard maybe, but you've got to do it. You've got to do it for your own good. You've got to do it for the good of others around you. You've got to do it good for the kingdom of God. You've got to do it for your spiritual life, for your emotional life, for your mental life, for your family life, for everything you've got to do it. What about your past sins? You know what Satan loves to do? He loves to dredge up our past sins and parade them before us. Loves to do that. Even though you have been forgiven, even though it's in the past, but he loves to drag it up and parade it and say, ha-ha, look. And you look. And what do you feel? A complete and utter failure. But listen, if your sins are truly repented of, and if they are truly forsaken, hear me, they are truly forgiven by God. If we repent and we forsake our sin, the Word of God is very, very clear that we will be forgiven. And God will give us a clean slate to start. And that's the grace of God, isn't it? Isaiah 55, it says, He abundantly pardons. Isaiah 43, He blots our sins out. Isaiah 53, He bore them away. Isaiah 6 and 7, He purged them. Isaiah 3 and 8, He cast them behind His back. Micah 7 19, He cast them into the sea. Psalm 103, verse 12. He removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. The Jeremiah 31, probably one of the greatest promises. He remembers them no more against us. Isn't that good? We remember them. Everybody else remembers them. But if they're truly repented of and truly forsaken, 
then God has no more remembrance of them. See, you and I can forget things. That's a malfunction of the brain, isn't it? When you get to my age, you forget a lot of things. Sometimes you even forget your own name. <laughs> Never mind your phone number. <laughs> forget about your number plate. <laughs> That's a bridge too far right there. But we forget things, and then suddenly we remember them again. But when God, the Bible says God doesn't forget them, it says He remembers them no more. Because if he forgot them, then he might remember them. But he remembers them no more against us forever. Glory to God. <laughs> so what are you going to do about your past sins? The ones you repented of. The ones you forsook. But sometimes they haunt you. Sometimes they come up in your memory. What are you going to do? Are you going to carry them into the new year? Are you going to say, Lord, they're under the blood? They're gone. I can't understand it. Didn't deserve it. But it's all of your grace. So I just receive that and accept that. I'm going to move on. And then when the devil comes to remind you, you say, devil, they're under the blood. And you can go and look for them if you like. But I'm not going to search for them. They're gone. What about your past failures? Now, I'm not talking about a mistake or a disappointment. It could be a moral failure or an ethical failure. David had an enormous moral failure. Man after God's own heart. Greatest king Israel ever knew. Sweet psalmist of Israel. The man who would love to have been a priest rather than a king that he could spend his time in the house of the Lord. And yet, that great man of God had an enormous moral failure. I don't need to elaborate on it. You know it quite well with Bathsheba. It took him a full year to repent of it. Tried his best to hide it. God had to send a prophet to challenge him, to expose it because he could never really move on in God until the sin was dealt with, until the failure was put right, until he confessed it and repented. Maybe it's a ethical failure, something to do with integrity. Remember we read about Abraham during the woman series and how he lied about his wife? The father of the faith. The man that God would come and speak to and reveal things to. The man that out of whose loins nations would come. And yet when it came to a simple thing like telling the truth about his wife, he lied. Terribly lied. And so perhaps in this past year, maybe even longer, there's maybe been a moral failure in your life or perhaps there's been an ethical failure. What are you going to do about it? Peter had a tremendous failure, didn't he? 
Can you believe that he would deny even knowing Jesus? Hard to believe, isn't it? That someone as brave, someone with such leadership potential, that someone as close to Jesus in his inner circle of three, that, that he, of all people, the strongest of them all, he thought, that he could feel abysmally and even deny his Lord and Master. So maybe in this past while, maybe you can look back and say, yeah, I can identify with that, David. I've certainly been a failure. I have failed terribly, maybe morally, ethically. I really, really let God down. I let myself down, let my family down. What are you going to do about it? big difference, you know, between failing and being a failure, isn't there? We all fail, but that doesn't make us a perpetual failure. What we do with the failure determines how we're going to live from then on. And there's not a single one of us in this room today or listening to me speaking, not a single one of us who hasn't failed and who will yet never feel. We'll all feel and we all will feel. But what are we going to do about it? We've got to take it to the Lord. You've got to lay it out before Him. We've got to deal with it. Then we've got to move on from it. Because if you don't move on from your failure, if you don't move on from that, you're not going to be much good to the kingdom of God. You're not going to be much good to yourself or anybody else around you. You've got to deal with it and leave it behind and move on. And I don't know what it is about the beginning of a new year. Why should today be any different than yesterday or tomorrow? But somehow or other, and I know the world makes all kinds of resolutions and usually doesn't last to first week in January it's over. But I don't know what it is about the beginning of the year, but I think it's just a good time to make a conscious decision to say, let's make a fresh start. Let's begin again. Let's do it for Christ's sake. Let's do it for the kingdom's sake. 2011 lies before us. It's an unpainted canvas, isn't it? Like I said in the watch night service, it's an unopened package lies before us, full of potential, full of opportunity, fresh beginnings, new starts, another chapter to write. That's all ahead of us, God willing. But if we go into this year carrying all the stuff of last year, we're not going to get very far. It's going to be the same old, same old, isn't it? And I don't you know about you, but I don't want it to be the same old, same old. Do you? Because I think God's got new and fresh things for us. God is a God of new and fresh things. Every spring we see those little shoots begin to bud. God does that. Because he wants new life to come. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that when all things have passed away, that there are still three things that remain. This is what you want to take in with you to this year. Faith and hope 
and love. These three, and the greatest, of course, is love, isn't it? Are you going to take faith into 2011? Because without it, we can't please God. And we've got to believe God this year. Thank God for what we believe for last year, but it's gone. We've got to believe God for this year. At the beginning of last year, remember what we talked about? We talked about breakthroughs in our life. Have you got a breakthrough? Some of you have, because you told me about them, and you should be coming up here and telling everybody about them. A testimony unto God. Maybe tonight some of you would do that, please. If you feel you've got a breakthrough this year, that God somehow has blessed you some way this past year, that you would like to share it, that would be good. little testimony of God's faithfulness in your life. It's always good to give Him the glory, isn't it? You need hope, don't you? Can't do much without hope. Sure we can't. You've got to look at this new year and say, God... I'm hoping. I'm not talking about hope so I'm talking about spiritually hoping. Faith is the substance of what? Of things what? Hope for. Got to start with hope in your heart and believe and trust and have faith in what you're hoping for will come to pass. Faith, hope, and love. Don't carry bitterness, don't carry hatred. Don't carry gossip. Don't carry all that stuff that the devil wants to use against us. Don't carry all that stuff into the new year. Carry love in your heart. You say, well, it's very difficult to love some people. Well, some people find it difficult to love you and me. That's human, isn't it? But ask God to help you. Ask God to give you love. The Bible says the love of God... So Romans 5 and 8, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can help us to love the unlovely and the unlovable even. So let's take these three things in with us to this year. Faith, hope, and love. And let's leave behind your mistakes, your disappointments, your hurts, your past sins, your fears, all of that stuff. It wants to weigh you down and dry you up, beat you up. Let's leave it all behind today. And say, Lord, this day, from this moment, I'm going to face a new year in a better frame of mind, and a better state of heart. I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust, I'm going to love, I'm going to faith, and let's see God do something. I'm, I'm looking forward to God blessing this year. You know, we've, we've been here a long, long time, and not all of our dreams and hopes has been fulfilled yet. But I'm always ever hopeful in a good sense. I'm always believing and trusting that there will be. There's things that years ago God spoke to me about and I haven't seen them happen yet. And sometimes you get a little bit disappointed with that. And sometimes you say, well, maybe, maybe it was me just thinking that. But then I'm always encouraged from time to time and say, no, I believe it was the Lord and in due season... I will reap if I faint not. And I'm at the time of my life where I've been here a long time and I'm looking forward. I don't know how many years more God will give me, but I'm saying, God, time's moving on. There's much to be accomplished. There's yet much to be done. There's much land to yet be possessed. And Lord, I want to possess it. I am up for it. I want it. I'm ready for it. 
Somebody talked to me very, very recently, the other day in fact, and said to me about being a pastor, oh, I wouldn't have that job in a million years. Do you know what? I love it. <laughs> oh, sometimes, sometimes like Clifford said, when you're taking all this equipment down, I'm never going to do this again. You have those moments, but generally, overall, I love it. I would have no idea what else in the world I'd ever want to do other than this. And I believe there's a lot more ahead. Glory to God. Amen. So are you hoping? Are you believing? Are you trusting? Have you faith? Are you looking at this new year and say, God, no matter what has happened in the past, this is a fresh start. This is a new beginning. I'm going to believe for bigger and greater and better things. Amen. Amen. Okay. God bless you. Let's pray.